0: Welcome to the Ask LFC Podcast. What's going on? My name is Harrison, Worship Arts Director here at Lake Forest in Huntersville.
1: I'm Mike Moses, uh, lead pastor of Lake Forest Church Huntersville. Good to see you guys today. We have a guest with us, Jeff Cook, a not a guest guest. Yeah, (laughs) he's He's pastor here, pastor of (laughs) the community. And we're the three of us are going to be talking about something you've heard a headline, at least from me, only once in a while. And based on how often people worship today, that means you may have never heard it yet. Um, But we've set a a top-line goal for the next five to ten years relative to ethnicity and Lake Forest Church Huntersville as a worshiping community. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to understand how Jeff is involved in leadership in a similar initiative for our entire denomination. But first.
0: But first. I'm I'm, uh, surprising you with this, Mike. We We got an email to the... Ask LLC email address, and I'm gonna I'm gonna just read it to you. Ooh. and and it is to me fantastic. Last week, okay. Mike, we we made an offhand comment about uh, I don't even remember the context, but it, it had something to do with Newtonian physics and quantum physics. That's right. Remember and the
1: search for the unitive principle. That's
0: right. I okay, okay. so first church podcast. Yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> So, this is from our uh, this is from our buddy Nick who 's one of our ministry partners who serves here is in uh, Jeff and i 's community group actually <laughs> oh it 's got he listened to the podcast so so get ready to enter the detail zone. here we go, Mike and Harrison, as always, I enjoyed the podcast. I did want to point out that Newtonian or classical physics is not in conflict with quantum mechanics. The equations that describe quantum phenomena we all, si- uh, we all simplify come down to their classical equivalents when not applied to something at a quantum scale. Uh, it goes on like that for a while, but basically he said, uh, I just wanted to point out, he said, I haven't had a chance to think about this stuff in a while and I just wanted to bring you in on the math on it. (laughs) So (laughs) he he was checking our math and checking our figures. So we, we apologize for not being a hundred percent accurate when it comes to quantum mechanics. Although in fairness, uh, that's not really something that we generally think about a super time.
1: No, but, but I do consider myself responsible to be up on the current state of the philosophical side, right? Math is actual, and I'm sure that Nick's um, work there is accurate. On the other hand, there's philosophy of science and what, what the facts um, imply – Or lead us to uh, uh, in the realm of uh, metaphysics. Metaphysics is our gig. That's kind of where we set up shop. Um, That's true. And so, so I'll be. uh, Will you forward me Nick's email because (laughs) I I would like to look at that? Because I am, I am very familiar with the dialogue going on. uh, That yes, uh, they don't negate one another. But they operate under such different principles and predictiveness wise. Yes, um, that's what it, it, uh, That's what needs to be uh, reconciled and is not.
0: Yes, and yeah. he d- he did acknowledge. He said there that there have been efforts to reconcile. Uh, there have been efforts to reconcile, uh, you know, classical Newtonian physics and general relativity with quantum mechanics, but that has not been successful. That is the theory for everything. Okay. So it's, it, there's some some semantic detail breakdown from Nick. Well, I from want to be accurate when he's, I
2: speak to such things. So a, a, thank he, you.
0: He's a big brain man. What, <laughs> what is
2: genuinely gorgeous about that. So I, we love their whole family. Like we've been in community group for a long time. We were probably in community group together for three years when we discovered that the entire community group hadn't even been pronouncing their last names the right way. Oh, wow. Like, and Nick well, is oh, so, and now he, I know and which is talking about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> to, to his credit, he never corrected us until we asked. But a brain like that, <laughs> to yeah. his credit,
1: um, he has put me on to a couple of uh, of uh, at, um, books that I have read at his recommendation. So yeah, thank you for that, Nick. Anyways,
0: yeah. and and Mike, you were also just uh, we've we've been before we get to the main content. We we've been. Uh, in a series here for the last couple weeks, going to keep rolling here for uh, a good stretch throughout May uh, called Necessary Endings, kind of when it's time to let some stuff go. And you had a funny observation. You, you, you and I and Jeff, uh, uh, it's a unique vantage point sometimes as you're uh, on the stage mm-hmm. teaching or or communicating, leading worship. We have a unique vantage point from up there.
1: We do, and I had a moment this Sunday, so... Um, I think what people remembered most about this sermon was the picture of my wife's roses. That's good, Um, and that's good for me Um, if you tell her Mm -hmm. how great her roses looked. Um, But secondly, the illustration that was not original to me about one father's advice to another – uh, uh, if a man was to ask for his daughter's hand in marriage, that you ask for his tax returns and uh, <laughs> what was the other thing? Um, credit report. Mm-hmm. And when I started delving into why, like does he follow through? Does he keep it? If he can't handle money, uh, what, your your daughter's more valuable. Your, do you want her in chaos, you know, et cetera? There were – if I could have freeze-framed because I was very staccato in that moment. A ton of young couples sitting beside each other, a ton of, like, father-daughters or maybe in-law, you know, maybe a son-in-law mm-hmm. in the same row as a father-in-law just froze. <laughs> like, they didn't want to move. They didn't want to look. The, they were no like, I can't look at anybody in my family right now. And, and I don't know if that's about how bad their credit score is. <laughs> Or it was a young husband and wife, and and one of them's like, "So, did you do the taxes? I'll get around to." It. Like it was that the uncomfortability factor. I loved it. I wish I could have frozen it and taken some pictures, and then restarted the sermon.
0: <laughs> you could have sent him around to some people, been like, "Anything you want to talk about?" <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's great. Okay, uh, let's hey, get into it.
1: Let's get into it. Um. We have formulated as a church staff and elders, we have conversations, uh, particularly in recent years, about um, is it okay how lily-white our worshiping congregation is on Sunday mornings? Because we just are. Apologies to those of you who are not Anglo and are a precious part of our church and maybe you're a podcast listener. We are not overlooking you. But we are just stating the the fact because it's it's probably a fact that you actually have to – we don't deal – we don't notice – I'm a part of macro culture, mm-hmm. majority culture in America. So I don't notice it typically when I am walk into a room and the majority is uh, – looks like me. I, I understand that you probably do notice it if that's you, uh, and it's something you actually have to deal with, and I've even been told the – uh, just the architecture and the way it's set up almost feels like white space. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so we've been asking, what are the gospel imperatives around this? We we don't want to be um, trendy. We want to do want to do th- right things for wrong reasons. Um, and be, at the same time, our denomination has asked this question because Presbyterianism in America, with a, a lot of notable exceptions, has generally uh, served Anglo communities, and that's the case of our denomination mm-hmm. by and large. Very similar to how our percentage look on, of ethnicity on a Sunday morning here at Lake Forest Huntersville. Um, and so we, we've set a – I'll talk about why uh, in a little bit, but we've set a goal of uh, that over five to ten years, we would come to reflect the ethnic makeup on a Sunday morning of our zip code. This is not the most diverse zip code in the world, uh, and so we're not seeking to become the most diverse church in America today because we would, as I say, we'd have to bust people in, and that's all inauthentic. Our mission field is 28078 and surrounding zip codes. That would be inauthentic to our community. But right now, we're not fully authentic to our community because we do not reflect the the the. Demographics. There are increasingly international families who've immigrated here, uh, who may may not stand out, um, Spanish speaking in particular, um, and uh, so that that's our goal. And what's interesting, and I'll I'll talk about the maybe the gospel imperatives there. Why we think the right reasons for that are, um, and and what we we're attempting to start to do about it. Because it's not we're not only praying about it, but we are praying about it. Um, but secondly, our denomination, at, at a similar time, for similar reasons, mm-hmm. at, began asking a similar question. And actually, because of their... This was at, right after I moved out of denominational leadership. Um, uh, actually, one of my last actions was appointing a couple of people to look into what is God's calling for the EPC in this area. It was not my initiative. It was theirs. I just blessed some leaders who were bringing vision to our denomination, and then I peaced out. Um, And they ended up forming that around uh, something they call the Revelation 7-9 Initiative and Task Force. And our own Jeff Cook has been asked to be uh, a young buck uh, because of life experiences and who he is and who our church is mm-hmm. to be a national leader. Jeff, would you, thanks for sitting in with us yeah, today. Um, to. would you tell us, first of all, what's revelation seven, nine? Why is our task force called that? How does it relate to Lake forest? And, uh, just tell us about the task force work.
2: Sure. Um, so revelation seven, nine is really where we get a snapshot of the new heaven and new earth, the God's kingdom, described very specifically talks about people from every nation, right? That that there is just something about a fuller picture of gospel truth that has cultures and experiences and backgrounds from every ethnicity. Um, And so the task force originally was, it wasn't a task Jesus used the word
1: ethne there. It's also Mm -hmm. in Revelation.
2: So it's not an imposition on the text based on culture today. It's actually... There. Well, and, and what's interesting is if you look back at that time, ethnicity and, and gods that you worshipped used to be very, very closely linked. I mean, almost undiscernible from one another. And so when you think about the unifying work of Jesus bringing all peoples together, the fact that that includes every ethnicity... Like, that that was a unique and incredible thing.
1: And recall, the better you, our listeners, know the New Testament, the more you know that when Jesus said that at the Great Commission, hey, go to all people's ethne, they're like, what? And the whole book of Acts and every epistle of the Apostle Paul is dealing with how controversial, how mind-blowing that was mm-hmm. to the Jews who, who – they were the one people who they understood God said, I'm the God of all people. I created mm-hmm. all, but they, but it still conceptually, they were in that conceptual uh, mind frame that, but yet he's only for us. Mm-hmm. And the whole New Testament is that escape velocity to go back to a term that Nick mm-hmm. would understand. <laughs> That's um, <right>. uh, <laughs> Holy Spirit escape velocity mm-hmm. that it
2: really bursts out to every ethnic. Yep. Uh, well, it's it's funny. So I am—you uh, wouldn't know it to look at me—but ethnically, I am more Jewish than anything else, Ashkenazi Jewish. Um, and so I never cared about that until I gave my heart to Jesus, really, and started studying. And and I did so for seminary. For me, I I chose to start in Old Testament. Like, if I'm learning, let's start at the beginning mm-hmm. um, and, and learn just the heritage involved in all of that. Mm-hmm. And so you begin to kind of understand in a weird way, like how the Jews at that time would feel about it. How like the idea of grace being extended to Gentiles, Mm -hmm. right? If you were a a God-fearing Jew, that felt like a slippery slope. Like, oh no, what's going to happen to our faith if we start letting these people in? And there are some very real truths you know, because of uh, just the way Lake Forest is positioned in this area, um, you know, we've got a lot of great relationships with churches that are kind of monochromatic on Sunday, also, yeah. but in a different shade than us. Um, hmm. And there, there are some cultural beauties that I've had a chance to get up close and witness in different ethnic environments. That man, I can't help but wish that we could enjoy that. Yeah. Right. And, and recognizing there are things that, that we bring to the table that others could probably really benefit from. Um, my first ministry role at a seminary was homeless ministry in New York. Um, it was mobile soup kitchen. And I ran three outreaches. One of them was in Chelsea and Manhattan, right in the fashion district. One of them was in the heart of Harlem. And one of them was in the South Bronx. And so literally Every single week, I watched the gospel play out in a predominantly white environment, predominantly Hispanic environment, and predominantly African American environment. Ah, I've never heard you state that uh, I, that it, way. Interesting. It was some of the best training that wasn't really training that mm-hmm. I ever could ask for, hmm. um, and so so I couldn't help but notice this fuller picture of the gospel. Hmm. And that's not to say that that any one of those is wanting. In some way, but if what we're striving for, if the desire is to represent something that is bigger than we are, something that is beyond our wildest imagination, why not imagine the fullest picture of the gospel? Which was implanted in the early church in
1: the first mm-hmm. apostolic generation. And they're envisioned, as you said, fully poetically, but a literal snapshot of heaven. Um Painted right there. And so it, it is actually God's vision for his beloved community, the church, that um, has been a multicultural, multi-ethnic, multinational, multilingual vision for 2,000 years. The church has done better and done worse at beginning to approximate that. Um, but it is not a response to things in our... Today, maybe for, at least in recent Western history memory, culture actually, culture secular culture values this. Mm-hmm. That has not been the case for very long. Mm-hmm. It, In fact, it's been the opposite. Tribalism has been to wipe out or domini- dominate the other ethnicity, the other language. Um, the Gospels run counter to that. And, of course, we know in ourselves and in every culture, uh, we struggle for the gospel to really redeem ourselves and our engage. We we hold on to false idols, and that's been one of the primary ones for 2,000 years is this tribalistic Mm -hmm. thing. But it's kind of cool today that this gospel vision actually runs along with culture. There's some cultural idols, too, that are unhealthy when it comes to these things. Um, Can you – so – Biblical reason number one, and and I'll just have a second main one. Biblical reason number one for us at Lake Forest Huntersville. Why is this a worthy goal that over in five to ten years we would reflect the ethnicity of our zip code? Because that's the future of the church. Mm -hmm. And all in our Christian ethics and the way we treat people in our proclamation, we're pulling the future kingdom into the present, displaying the beauty of the gospel of grace of Jesus Christ and his community. And so why wouldn't we pull that one into the present? Mm-hmm. Tell us about the content and the work and sure. just pull back the curtains a little yep. bit on the Revelation 7-9 task force nationally in the
2: EPC. Sure. So we are, uh, this movement, I would say is about four years in at this point, and, and there was a lot of upfront diagnostic time, just listening and learning and hearing. Um, and we're at a place now where we've kind of determined that, that if there are churches in our denomination that have the same recognition Lake Forest Huntersville does, that, hey, we, we would really like to broaden and expand, not in an inauthentic way, but like genuinely, um, that there are uh, about 19 of us on the task force. Whoa. We function in coaching groups hmm. um, of four or five, and so we will partner with a specific church. Um, and there is a process that we kind of walk through them with them. We just finally wrapped up development of and training on an actual psychometric tool like a uh, hardcore sci- psychology statistics, deep, deep Myers-Briggs level wow. tool. That's because um, we're Presbyterians.
1: Yeah. Now. <laughs> oh, yes.
2: Right. <laughs> um, that, that we're going to be able to walk through with people because this is what you start to realize ideologically to have a desire to be more uh, ethnically diverse isn't hard but but desire and willingness are two very different things mm. and so so the way that the task force is trying to approach it out of necessity it has to be relational mm-hmm. because there are hard questions to be asked right it, it is it's a requirement that a, a particular worshipping body honestly inventory where they are, how important is it, what are they really willing to do, and what sacrifices will they make, and to know those things going in hmm. so that they can be as successful as possible. Um, we're on the front end. There are, I want to say, four, might be five churches that have begun this process mm-hmm. and, are, and are midstream, but but as we've been saying, this is, I mean, it's a multi-year maybe even decade-long goal, especially for a worshiping body that's already enmeshed in what they're currently doing and that's healthy, right? It's not like they're broken and you're going in to fix anything. So it is a whole lot of give up good to get best. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard thing to do. It is. And one thing that brought this up
1: was uh, for a while, I wanted our listeners to hear from you on this denominational work um and because these are really first followers and leaders at lake forest who dial into this podcast and they care more than their your average bear Mm -hmm. about where we're headed um and they're leaned in and so um but this was also occasioned i have a monthly conference call with two long-term pastor buddies we we met as couples in January of 1997 at Church Planters Assessment. We were young ministers trying to decide, was God calling us to be a church planting couple in the EPC? And we all happened to be at the same retreat, which is an assessment of is your does your giftedness flow in the direction of spiritual entrepreneurship kind of thing. And all three couples, we sat to dinner the first night. Really? You think you're starting a church in Richmond? We're starting a church in Winston Salem, Louisville. Oh, we're we're not sure where, but we're thinking Raleigh or Charlotte. That's me. Um, we're hoping. We're asking the Lord. Well, that was ninety seven. Mm. Twenty five years later, David, David, and I continue to have a monthly first Wednesday of every month conference call, four to five o'clock in the afternoon. Just sometimes it's only about our lives. Our churches have tracked in their growth and their stages of growth. Our fir- Y'all, this is crazy. First of all, you know that a lot of church plants never survive. Very few ever grow over 200 people. Mm-hmm. All three of our churches have grown you know, into the thousands. We were all building our first building within an 18-month window. Mm-hmm. And check this out. The price tag was within uh, – I'm not going to remember exactly. The price tag for each of our three first phase of buildings was within two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars 250000 of each other. You know, wow, I mean, this is weird. So, like, how could mm-hmm. we give up these friendships because there's something there? Mm-hmm. Yesterday, David Dwight, founding pastor, uh, uh, along with Pete Bowell, of Hope EPC Church in Richmond. We're good friends with them. We sometimes have Nicole Eunice, who was on their staff. Uh, um, speak here um he just brought up hey what are you guys we're talking about this at elders and staff level and we don't have it figured out but we're are you guys talking about it? and we found out all three of our churches are at the level that lake forest huntersville is hmm. um and and for example i'm trying to hold us accountable somebody said to me oh we started a spanish-speaking church and in this winter Pastor Terrell, who's African-American, started a multi-ethnic church in the university city. Is that so we can say we're diverse now? <laughs> like, no. Uh, it's Number one, it's just the communities we were called to plant in demanded that. But number two, and it's beautiful that our family of churches is diverse this way. And as we have elders from those churches, that's going to change us, speaking into eldership here as equal elders. But that doesn't... We have goals for Lake Forest, Huntersville. So we were on this call with the three pastor friends yesterday. Jeff, that's why I thought, mm-hmm. um, man, let's 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 open this up with our friends. And they're, you know, one of their churches, the one in Winston Salem, they have an ordinarily high because of a university near them number of international families joining. That's their number one inroad. Mm-hmm. And you know something they've done? They they have very few African American families joining but a number of international something that they have done recently was so that the congregation could sort of see this and know it they did a a long series where every sunday the scripture reading was someone in their congregation whose country of origin is not america Hmm. and they Hmm. they filmed them in their neighborhood reading the day's scripture in their native tongue Wow. while the English translation came over it. That's cool. And they said it was a powerful rec- way of the church. The church might look around on Sunday and go, oh, a bunch of white people up in here. The reality was that there was some South American, some South Indian and African mm-hmm. families. And I-, I thought, okay, that's a great idea, uh, for example. So we were just talking around things that – we're attempting to do here. Jeff's about to lead some people at our leadership level through a process recommended by Revelation 7-9. Um, yeah, so um, it's – I I felt um, hopeful that my friends in churches that track with us and are very similar to us, they're wrestling with the same thing. No easy answers. It's not a quota thing. Um, but it's a, Lord, would you – Would you give us eyes to see steps we can take that would slowly change us to look more
2: like Revelation Um, 7-9? Potentially, I hope this isn't too abstract a thought. But uh, so one of the things Pastor Terrell is big on, right? Okay. Jesus over preference. Yes. Um, (laughs) Many of you who know me know I come from a 12-step background, and, and I was always amazed at how people who would absolutely fight if they saw each other at Denny's could sit in a 12-step meeting and share a common goal so great that they set aside all of those things, hmm. right? It's clear to see, it's visible, it's reflected because of the differences. Yeah. And so one of the things that I see, you know, my, my wife and I are foster parents, and uh, we had a placement a couple years ago, only for a few months, uh, 17-year-old and 8-year-old black young men uh, from the Charlotte area, and and just the cultural differences, in the way they were raised, in the way they had been parented. Now it's foster care. So there was trauma involved, yeah. but but bringing that kind of disruption into my home forced our hand, like forced us to really ask the question, is this actually about a love bigger than us or is this about me feeling good? Hmm. And one of the benefits that I firmly believe comes from pushing ourselves in this way is that we, Lake Forest Huntersville, are gonna have to ask ourselves the hard question, is this really about Jesus and his love, or does it just feel good? Now because it's, it's all about our preference as right. a subculture. Yep. And and so I think that there is opportunity for even the most seasoned, spiritually mature ministry partner to grow and be stretched and challenged and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. When we step out in ways like this
1: Yes I I was not thinking about this at all When we um, planted our church In 98 Uh, There was a very small African American population in Huntersville The Latino population At least as far as anyone Knew was was non-existent It was not on the radar It was very small statistically Of course all that has changed To a certain degree here in the community. We've responded to that relative to the Spanish-speaking community. But what was on my heart and mind was contextualizing the gospel winsomely to my generation. I mean, I was a young guy. I'm the oldest of the Gen Xer birth year. And I had this burning desire to contextualize the good news of Jesus to my uh, grunge rock, slacker, um, angsty... We're not putting up with a bunch of baby boomer telling us it's all true or not. I want to know, is it real? I almost don't care if it's true. All that kind of thing, and I could just go on from there. What that meant was, unintentionally, I so carefully tried to uh, target the church at that sensibility because I didn't see it elsewhere, that it meant, what I didn't realize was, culturally and ethnically it meant i was tightly um uh and i'll use the word preference i was tightly uh making ca- ca- catering to it might be too gross of a word but uh making church intelligible for anglo Gen Xer, former suburb uh, raised suburban uh white people like me uh so the special music is was uh yellow by Coldplay you know uh special music I give you two references mm-hmm. I make Wayne's world impressions I mean that's all really one thing that is incomprehensible to other subcultures in our uh in our community and and you know what that was effective as far as it went, mm-hmm. um, but now it raises questions for us we're Huntersville's a little more cosmopolitan i don't want to overstate <laughs> in the in people having moved in, et cetera and so Harrison one thing that we've experimented with is what if our special music and musical styles are not always on this one? if you if you see a musical spectrum of styles and and because of me <laughs> our first 10 15 years or so were this one thin slice <laughs> range and so tell us some of even the thinking while Terrell was on our staff before planning you city, city we took a risk last easter and decided to have um i don't know what you would call it rmb or, or almost hip-hop special music musical style there on our outdoor service
0: yeah it was a really cool day and i'm i'm <clears throat> i'm reminded jeff of what you what you said a little while ago because i think it's really uh relevant to this about you know there's the the desire you have a desire but then it's like okay well do i when I see what it's going to take to do it, do I really want it? it reminds me for at least me, not for Jeff, because he doesn't have this issue, but it's like, I want to be in like really good shape. Okay. Do I actually want to exercise? Like, right. do I want to do the stuff to like make that happen? Um, so I, I think we, we've definitely had some of those experiences when it comes to uh, Easter particularly, or, or other times that we've said, let's stretch our, ourselves outside, of our comfort zone of what we would normally do because, um, there, there's some work to that of like, okay, we're going to play these things a little bit differently. We're going to, um, we're going to, the way that we're going to sing, the way we're going to play our instruments, arrange the song, even the, even the, we're going to experiment some with, with, with our like, um, just being real free in our expressiveness of our worship together on the stage and not feeling so like
1: mm. even instrumentation Harrison, there was a time I'm a little embarrassed to admit this. Well, no, in the early to mid audies I forbade our worship team ever having keyboard as lead instrument. Yeah. <laughs> because to me, it evoked what today we would call contemporary worship. Yes. Don't ever call our worship today. Contemporary. You can call it modern, whatever you want. Contemporary to me is frozen in time, Mm -hmm. 80s, early 90s, keyboard-driven, every worship team member with matching pastel shirts. Mm -hmm. I forbade that. I literally, like I called somebody in my office once, um, hey, how come the keys let out on that song? Uh, I can actually, I have that gear. (laughs) And and we've reversed that now Mm -hmm. because actually that's more of a world sound. It's certainly more of an urban sound. And so w- that's, a, it, that's something that we have reversed. <laughs> You've engineered that. There's way more. Keys are leading. They're, be- they're behind me when one of us prays, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then secondly, what you're saying is, and I'll say this bluntly to our listeners, every time you experiment with a greater expressiveness during the worship event with your people, every time you move a little bit more, You are creating a safer environment that feels more um, culturally appropriate to Mm non-Anglos to go, Oh, I could fit in here Um, as opposed to uh, the opposite. And so Harrison, you and our team have been, Aaron Maynard has been in on this goal setting. You've actually been, you actually have specific goals to lead our congregation to be more free. And it's, it's hitting two of our macro multi-year goals. One is to grow in freedom in the Holy Spirit and experience of the Holy Spirit, but two is to feel more culturally, um, what's the right word?
0: Um, uh, uh, approachable, maybe, yeah. maybe, yeah. Like you said, it's where <clears throat> I, I think I think I've realized on on the end of what we're doing from the stage is uh, we we want to create a worship experience where um, people who are not uh, majority culture, or majority ethnicity folks can walk in and also feel comfortable or feel like I could belong here. I could see myself here. It's not. This is not just designed uh, for one kind of person from a very specific background. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've definitely been trying to open those gates a little bit so that when we have uh, different kinds of people walk in that, that, that they can be like, yeah, this is okay. This is kind of for me too. And it says a lot right out of the gate. Um, it's kind of like, uh, that's why it's so important to us. You talked to Michael earlier about our, our zip code, um, for you guys listening to this, that really, that really is, uh, our target as much as anything, because anything, uh, anything beyond that almost feels, a little uh, disingenuous is the wrong word as a goal, but we want to be realistic and just say like, look, we yeah. want, mm-hmm. we want our church to look like our kids classrooms to look like when you walk into publics, when you, we want it to correct, to feel just like that. And, and you go into any one of our kids, public school classrooms. It's, you know, the, that's a, di- a diverse group. Um, yes. we want our church to at least
1: 10%. Yeah. Probably in most classrooms. Yeah. yeah.
0: And we want our, we want Lake forest to, feel like that because that is what every other space in our community feels like it's
1: the mission field we're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that mm-hmm. brings me to, uh, one of the most incisive comments. One of my pastor friends said yesterday when we were on the call and then Jeff, maybe we'll just have you close us out on anything else you want to, uh, share from the denominational perspective or Lake forest. Um, so David and David and I were saying, so what, is, what are legitimate goals in this area and what are illegitimate? Um, and David Beatty, who pastors River Oaks Community EBC in Winston-Salem, in the Louisville area, he said, the number one reason for doing this is evangelism to younger generations. Mm-hmm. It is a, It makes, to them, Harrison, to your point, who are in diverse environments. They're living in the America that is today and not yesterday, and they value it. Um, uh, it. For them to walk into our church and it be completely the opposite of that calls into question the authenticity of the gospel for those who are already Christians. Like, is something wrong with my faith? I, I know mm-hmm. what the Bible says, but it's not actually being done here. It doesn't look like it. And for those who are not believers, would would be off-putting, again, to younger generations. And so it's, uh, as, as I maybe have put it, it is one of the primary missional tip of the spears, I think, uh, to authenticate the gospel to younger generations. So uh, mm-hmm. so Revelation 7-9 is where we're headed, so it's pulling the future into the present, which is what we do, we're supposed to do with the gospel anyway. And... Uh, it's authentic to the gospel for younger generations are, are our
2: two main motivations. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I will just say, so I have been here long enough to know us well, but not so long that I drank all the Kool-Aid. And so (laughs) I feel like I have a fairly good objective perspective on who we are. Also the, the denominational task force lets me behind the veil at a lot of churches, previous ministry experience, Um, And and Lake Forest, Huntersville in particular, hear me when I tell you this, um, you are a purple unicorn special place. (laughs) Um, There is a warmth, uh, an openness, a desire to just love people and lead them to Jesus that pervades our people in a way that is uncommonly high. Um, And so something that I am regularly saying and I hope really encapsulates what one of the real benefits will be long term, uh, even though there'll be some sacrifice, is when somebody walks in this place, we want them to feel as welcome as they are. And I know how everybody drink. If you're playing are. a
1: drinking game, drink every time Jeff says that
2: yeah. <laughs> I'm drinking some coffee right now. Yeah. Make sure it's <laughs> not out. I love it
1: when you say that, um,
2: <laughs> but, but so really that's, so that's, that's for me, that's the heartbeat is I want the rest of our community to know about you, what I do.
1: Well, we just wanted to have that conversation and bring you in on it. There will be some appropriate times to have the congregation with the conversation with the whole congregation, but really, this is like below the waterline prayer leadership activity. My expectation is this will change very slowly Mm -hmm. until there's just enough tipping point for it to change faster. When that will be, who knows? Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. See you guys.